this meeting is being this meeting is being live streamed, so we are live. So take it away. Thank you, Corin Swain. Welcome very much. Uh, welcome to the Truth Seekers here in Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, the time here is about just after half past one. And thanks for staying up so late in Australia. I believe it's about nine, nine-ish over there. But we are so privileged to have you, Corin Swain. We are very appreciative here in South Africa um, for being live with us. We are really blessed. And I hope that we're going to have you on again sometime in the future. Uh, well, before we I, begin, yes. I'm just going to say I feel blessed. I feel so honoured to talk to South Africa. I've never spoken to a group in South Africa, and it's so wonderful to, to you know, to be speaking to South Africa. It's because I speak to Canada and, and Europe and the United States and even Asia and New Zealand, but never have I spoken to South Africa <laughs> as a group. As I said, I've had South Africans on the show and I've been interviewed by people in South Africa, but never spoken to a group. So it's an honour to speak to you all. Yes, yes, yes. No, thanks so much. Uh, don't forget us here in South Africa. We are going through a tremendous crisis at the moment with an energy crisis and we are in what's called load shedding. They cut our power off every now and then. So that is a, a bit of a negative for South Africa at the moment. But before we begin, um, let's find out who Karen Swain is. Who is Karen Swain? Well, she is a spiritual guide. She is a radio host. She's an author of a few books. She's an inspirational speaker. She's a filmmaker and a difference, a difference maker. I like that one. Her official title is uh, a teacher of deliberate creation, a teacher of deliberate creation. And if you don't know what that means, then you can ask Corin Swain what that means. Um, she's involved, Corin is involved in enlightening people from around the globe about the power of one's thoughts, beliefs, and how to live in alignment with your emotional guidance system. Educating you about how the law of attraction is shaping your life. Karen is one of Australia's foremost thought uh, leaders and change agents, showing you the way to a happier, healthier life. Through personal sessions, she does personal sessions, through workshops, through seminars. I don't know how one person can do all this, but wow. And I can even say wow backwards. Wow. Festival movies um, and media. And if you want to get hold of Corinne Swain, you can get hold of her on, she's got a beautiful website that she designed herself with Elementor on WordPress. And that is www.corinneswain.com. Uh, P.S. I can say Karen loves people and has an inquisitive mind. I've been listening to some of her YouTubes and been reading about her bios, and she is definitely a person who gives herself. She's got such a beautiful heart. She gives herself to others. Um, these are my words. I put this together. Not, uh, yeah. not GBT. Yeah, a lighthouse. Bio I've ever had. <laughs> a lighthouse that shines on all the good and 
positive in the world, eh? Lighthouse. Karin is a lighthouse that shines on all that is good and positive in the world. Karin's overhang purpose, overhanging purpose, so all-encompassing all purpose in life is to raise the consciousness of the planet. And believe you me, she's doing a very good job of that. Um, she's written a few books. Um, the one that she spoke about that I heard about is Return to Love, Return to Love. That's a book that teaches you that no one really dies. No one really dies. And we return to that place from which we came from, a place of extreme love and a place of uh, positive energy. That's where we're going to when we move on from this biological body. When you die, you go to a place uh, that you come from, a place of pure positive energy, unconditional love and happiness. And what's so wonderful about her website, on the homepage, she's got a drop down of faces, beautiful people, beautiful, beautiful people. It makes you realize just how special and invaluable people are. People are precious, and we must always keep that in mind. And what I noticed is one of the little pictures is our, our story of Elizabeth Clara, Elizabeth Clara from the Drakensberg who uh, visited a planet near Alpha Centauri. Um, Yo, yeah, what else can I say? Can you say something to us about your books and, uh, uh, and this idea that we never die? Oh, darling one, that's the best bio I've ever had. <laughs> and absolutely, because I, I met Ian, sent me an email, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago. And I said, how did you find me? And you said, through the Elizabeth Clara story. And... I just love that story and I hope and pray that somebody in Hollywood with lots of money makes a movie of that book. It would just be the best movie. It has so many elements to that. You know, it's got, it's got history. It's got the beautiful backdrop of the Druckensberg Mountains and the Zulu Nation and, and the war. I think, you know, the, it goes into when she was in the war and a pilot in the war and it's got intrigue and then, of course, it's got the off-world component where she's taken to another planet by a highly evolved civilization and she's taught over there. And, oh, my God, it's got, so, it's got everything you could want, I could want in a movie. And I really hope and pray that one day someone makes a movie about that, about that story. But, uh, yeah, the books, death, death, death. Well, years ago I was uh, stressing about how I was going to serve humanity and I asked my guides, what is the thing that causes the most pain on earth? And they said, humans' understanding of death is the thing that causes the most pain on earth. And I said, yeah, it does. We get so upset about this death thing, don't we? And um, I said, well, I, I need to address that. If I'm here to help the world, then I need to address that. And then uh, not, not too soon after that, I was sort of stressing about how I would address that. Do I make a documentary? What do I do? And I'm sure that a lot of difference makers who feel like they're here to make a difference feel the same. Like, what do I do? How do I make a difference in the world? And um, my guide said to me, oh, stop stressing. Just write something down. Just start, you know, stop try trying to make a Hollywood movie and try and, you know, get millions of dollars. Just start. Just write something down. And I said, well, what will I write about? And they said, write what you know. And I said, well, I know about death because mum died when I was 16, 15, 16. Uh, I, you know, I was with her during her cancer journey and I watched her 
fade away. And I had so many questions at that time, like what makes someone sick? What can we do to not get sick? And then she dies. I'm like, where do you go when you die? And I didn't understand any of this stuff that I talk about today. And so she kept coming to me in my dreams, telling me she wasn't dead, like just repeatedly. And I didn't understand it as a young girl. I just thought I was having these dreams or these nightmares about mum because in the dream, I'm in an astral world. I'm in another place. It's in the dream. I don't know I'm dreaming. In the dream, I think that I'm I'm alive. I'm living. And Mm -hmm. there's mum. And I'm like, you're not dead. And it was really confusing to me because I'm physically with my mother and I'm not understanding because in my reality, she's dead, right? Anyway, so I had to sort all that out. And then I had a lot of, I had one of my best friends was born uh, in the 60s under the thalidomide. I don't know if people will this generation remember the thalidomide debacle in the 60s where women, pregnant women, were given a, a drug called thalidomide for morning sickness. And hundreds, I think maybe thousands of babies were born across the world deformed. Well, my best friend was one of them and she died when she was 40. I had another best friend kill herself. You know, I just had so many people in my life leave this world, young and old, and all of them came back and they gave me a message. All of them said the same thing to me. They said, we didn't die. There's no such thing as death. You don't die. And so when I was stressing about what I should write, my guide said to me, write what you know. And I said, well, I know about death. And because I've been given this message so many times from all my dead friends that you don't die. The one that died of thalidomide, you know, complications of thalidomide, she actually had a brain tumour was the thing that took her out. The doctors said from the moment she was born that she was not going to live very long and she managed to live to 40. And um, she, I was again in an astral world while I was talking to her, not realising that I was asleep on earth, thinking that I was awake and alive. And then I looked at her and I said, hang on, are you dead? You're dead. I can't be talking to you. You're dead. And she's like, no, I'm not dead. And I'm like, yeah, you're dead. And we had this argument. It was like a comedy act. And I'm going, I'm sure you're dead. I went to your funeral. I sat next to your sister and I cried. I know you're dead. And we're arguing. She said, I'm not dead. I'm saying, yes, you're dead. I'm not dead. So I had this message given to me by my dead friends. I'm not dead. We're not dead. Just get over the death thing. And so we talk about death a lot on my show. Uh, I've just had somebody on the show this week, actually, a beautiful woman called Pamela, whose husband transitioned about two years ago. He was 83 and they were both working psychics and mediums and um and he he said to her from the other side right we had this soul contract that i would transition you would stay on earth and we would continue this work me on this side you on that side and we would share what we understand about there being no death and um, continue our relationship from this two different perspectives so yeah, it's an important thing to talk about that there is no death. There is just this experience and then other experiences, including yes, yeah. extraterrestrial experiences. So the first book was about my experience with my friends. And then I asked a couple of other people and um, I put a few stories of other people. One guy had an NDE and he said that the, the music was what took, he, took him home. He heard beautiful music. Another girlfriend of mine said that she was woken up in the middle of the night when her, here in Sydney, when her brother transitioned, he was in Germany and he woke her up to show her what death felt like. And she said that she felt like someone was dragging a cloth over her body and when it lifted off her body, 
she felt completely free of all stress and all worry and all fear and all pain wow. and and her brother said this is what it feels like to be dead <laughs> this is what it feels like so yeah. I, there's a couple of stories in return to love about that but the yeah. message of that book is not that we return to love we come from love we return to love the message in that book is that we don't have to die to return to love love that love and that no pain and no stress and no fear can be an experience while we're still physically incarnated in exactly exactly yeah mm-hmm. um so the two books that i did a review on was awakened by death is a title mm-hmm. of one of your books and of course the one you've just been speaking about return to love so these yeah. books are available on amazon and other places please uh Support Karen and go and buy those books. They are wonderful books uh, to read. Um, oh, thank you, Ian. <laughs> also, you mentioned on your podcast with that other gentleman uh, the fact that one of the first books you ever read was Shirley MacLaine's book, Dancing in the Light, something like that, Dancing in the Light. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love Shirley MacLaine here in South Africa. In fact, one of our members who's now in Cape Town. Her name is Maureen. She is the living image of Shirley MacLaine. Really? Yes, yes. And uh, we did a whole presentation on Shirley MacLaine at one of the Truth Seekers, and we watched the video of of her paradigm shift, how she got involved in all this. Um, yeah, so she, I don't know if she's still alive. I don't know if she's passed on now. Shirley she is McClane. still alive. She is still alive. She's in her 80s. Oh, wow. She is, she is still alive. Not for much longer, I feel. I feel I feel her wanting to return home, but she is still alive thus far. Yeah, okay. yeah. I have um, a... But she's a grand old lady, hey? She's so grand, she really. Amazing. And, you know, a lot of what we know today, and the New Age movement uh, has a lot to, to contribute and owe to Shirley MacLaine for starting mm. the ball rolling, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. She was an um, unbelievable way shower and somebody that took the flack. I mean, everybody knows that's involved in these conversations, that you're going to bump up against people that tell yes. you you're crazy, that tell you that, you know, that you're woo-woo, you're crazy, you've lost your marbles. Well, when you're a Hollywood actress and in the limelight and talking about aliens or ETs or, you know, leaving your body and meditation and spirit guides, you know, she copped that sort of resistance from the mainstream narrative and the mainstream world. So she sort of took all the hits before we came along, you know, to say, yeah, we believe that too. And just an amazing way shower, an amazing way shower. Mm -hmm. I remember one thing that really sticks out to me about Shirley MacLaine and what she said was, was regarding the atom bomb. Um, When the atom bomb went off, the destruction was not only limited to the 3D realm, but it had a chain reaction into the other dimensions. Absolutely. And for that reason, the extraterrestrials and the UFOs are very interested and very concerned with our uh, uh, discovery of the atom bomb and being able to make these type of bombs. Um, in fact, I've seen videos where extraterrestrials are involved in actually turning silos off and turning these, these missiles off. Um, so yeah. that's, that's very interesting. You know, the damage we do to the environment uh, 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 echoes into the other dimensions as well. Absolutely. As soon as humanity 
you know, split the atom and, and made the bomb, that's when the rest of the cosmos started really looking at what Earth was doing. Oh, they've evolved enough to this stage because now not only can they kill themselves, they can actually harm the rest of the universe because they they have the technology of splitting the atom. And what happened at the end of the World War, I, I'm sure that many of you understand this or know this on some level, was that the people that people, the star nation ambassadors and beings that have been overseeing the evolution of the consciousness on, on Earth and the um, the people that exist on Earth for you know for millions of years had um, had sent volunteers, way showers, volunteers, star seeds, wanderers to Earth because humanity had reached a, a stage of technology where now they could blow up the planet, but they could also affect the rest of the cosmos. And so thousands and thousands and thousands of babies were born after the Second World War who were light workers who were here to affect change. And that is continuing. And I'm sure many of you know about the work of Dolores Cannon and the yes. three waves of volunteers. Well, there's a woman that I've had on my show a couple of times called Susie Hansen, who's an, a New Zealand woman who is in her late 60s, I think, mid to late 60s, who is a star being here on Earth. And she, as a child, was given the three waves of volunteers in a much more detail than Dolores got from her hypnotic clients, talking about the star beings volunteering, being here on Earth, to affect the shift in human consciousness and, and try and up human consciousness because our technology we were talking about with Nigel and you before we were talking about the explosion of technology that's happening on the planet right now. But that explosion of technology that happened during the war with the bomb and splitting the atom, so millions and millions of light workers and difference makers and star seeds have been born onto the planet since that time to help the shift in human consciousness so that we can use the technology that we've developed in a more positive way and not in, in a destructive way. And yes. that's what you're all doing here, all of you. Because <laughs> think about the people that were born after the war. When I was a young girl in my 30s, I was um, facilitating a group called the Academy of Light and everybody was older than me. These were the people that were born you know, after the war in the 40s and 50s. And yes. many of them have passed on now because that was like 25 years ago. But, um, yeah, they've been coming in in droves since the end of the World War. And, and what they call the baby boomers was those people, and predominantly they were women. I wondered in my 30s why I was surrounded by older women that were all Reiki healers and healers <laughs> and teachers, and they were all women. And I'm like, why are they all older women? But that, you know, that that feminine principle that intuitive principle, that psychic principle was coming onto the planet through these people in the body of the, of the female to, yeah. to expand. Well, one of the people, energy. one of the people that uh, was from that generation is a wonderful gentleman by the name of Neil Donald Walsh. Yeah. And he wrote two or three books. Uh, oh no, he's written about with God. He's, he's uh, written about now. thirty books. Yeah, he's written about thirty okay, books. <laughs> twenty-eight. Well, these maybe, are the these are the books that I remember because uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, Neil Donald Walsh is very dear to me personally because mm -hmm. I had a car accident 
And I landed up in hospital with a broken pelvis. And I was out lying flat on my back. Uh, also, some of the vertebrae in my neck were cracked. So I had to have the sting around my neck as well. So mm -hmm. I was in hospital for six weeks. And I read these books, The Conversations with God. And I believe that you met Donald personally. And he gave you a pink crystal ball. Could you he tell did. us about that? Well, years ago, uh, somebody in Sydney was so inspired by the books, the three, the three first books, the Conversation with Book, book series, one, two, and three were the first three books that um, are mind-blowing. Absolutely mind They changed my life. And there was this woman who was so inspired that she sold her house to bring him out to Australia. And then a friend of mine who knew her said to me, uh, she's putting together a volunteer team. Again, I was in my early 30s, mid-30s at the time. Uh, would you like to be a part of the team to help facilitate Neil Donald Walsh's um, tour down under? And I said, yeah, sure. So I organized a book signing for him at our largest new age bookshop in the middle of the city. And um, people came from all over the place. And a couple, of, a couple of beautiful little earth angels came with crystal balls to give to Neil Donald Walsh. And they were so heavy. The pink one that he gave me is sitting right here next to me. I don't know if you can see it through the green screen. It's so heavy. It's like a bowling ball. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was given this as a gift. And uh, he was said to the lady that had uh, organized, you know, his tour, I can't carry this around with the wall. It's like it's so heavy. And he said, well, Karen organized this book signing for you. Why don't you give it to Karen? And so he did. He gave it to me. And just like you, Ian, those books absolutely changed my life. They called me into action as a young girl who knew I was here to be a healer. I remember the book saying um, repeatedly, you know, how, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're in the room to heal the room. It's the only reason you're in the room. You're in the room to heal the room. It's the only reason you're in the room. It just like this repetitive message. It spoke to me in that way and it called me into action. And that was the first time that I put on a group like this. I just started with two girlfriends in my home <laughs> and just I wanted to talk about the books. And then, you know, people came. This is before the internet. People started coming. I went to yoga. I met someone. She said, I'll come and I'll bring my boyfriend. And he came and he said, you know, there are other groups in Sydney that speak about this sort of thing. And I had no idea. And I'm like, really? And so I found other groups. And that's how I found the Academy of Light and uh, started facilitating that. But I was lucky enough last year to have Neil on my show, which was beautiful to reconnect with him. Of course, he didn't remember me at all. He changed my life, but he didn't remember me. But it was beautiful to have him on the show to talk to him again. Oh, wow. wow. I've just got a few more questions for you before we hand over to the audience. So please get your questions ready for Karen, whatever you want to ask her. But um, this idea that bad things happen to good people, that is something that... Uh, you know, it causes a lot of concern in people's lives. It's a very important question. One of the, in other words, one of the questions you'd want to ask God one day is why do bad things happen to good people? And I was listening to one of your YouTube interviews with a lady uh, who was, had a motorbike accident. And I think she lost her arm. And yeah. uh, she said these beautiful words. She said, the whole of life's journey, both the good and the bad, is an act of love. And that's tremendous wisdom, you know. We come into this world to experience. 
but we experience not just the good. We only want to experience the good, but we grow more through our trials and tribulations. It, it strengthens us. It builds character when we go through suffering and go through horrible things. Um, so that's an important thing I want to talk about is why do bad things happen to good people? Well, you just said it in a nutshell, Ian. Everything that is happening is happening for our evolutionary growth. And we didn't come to earth, as Esther would say, to use Esther's words, Esther from the teachings of Abraham. We didn't come to earth to have a feathered nest. We came to earth for the challenges that the density of earth, this earth experience offers us. And through those challenges, we get to see what we're made of. I mean, you see people doing that deliberately, like people that do challenges like they climb Mount Everest. They put themselves, their body in danger because they want to test themselves. Well, the soul does the same thing. It comes into a third 3D environment that is rooted in fear and trauma because it wants to evolve as a, as a soul. Okay, Am I frozen? Okay. Sorry, we got a bit of a technical problem on the big screen. It's frozen. Um, what I can do is I can start the computer again for them. Uh, I can do that uh, on the group. Uh, I'm not sure what to do now. Is it still frozen, people? Okay. Can you give me two minutes? I'll just want to reboot the laptop. Sure. And sure. That no problem. I'll remove him from the spotlight. So I'll ask anybody that's on, um, on Zoom with me. Do you have any questions or anybody that's listening to the live stream? We've got uh, 13 people watching on YouTube. I don't know how many people are watching on um, the Facebook group and the Facebook pages, but does anybody have any questions at this point? Or I can just keep talking. <laughs> well, let me see. If you do have any questions, let me see. The chat. I've got such a little computer that I can't always see where the chat is. Where's the chat? Bring up the chat. Oh, here we go. Oh, there is a couple of things on the chat. I can hear you, truth seekers. Sorry, not here, not questions. Hi, truth seekers. Um, I have a question. I don't know if you can hear me. It's yeah, Diane. who's that? It's Diane. Diane. Yes, hello. hello. Uh, lovely to meet you, Corin. Um, thank you for your uh, beautiful intro. It was really very interesting indeed. And uh, I look after a little group of people, or we work together, and we're really beginners at um, intuiting and near-death experience and so forth. We started exploring. So this is really interesting for, for me and for us. Um, and I know they'll all be watching, if not today, very soon. So you touched earlier on ET experiences. Mm -hmm. um, could you share a little bit more with us about your ET experiences? And uh, if you've had such experiences, perhaps how does one protect yourself and know if it's good or not so good and so forth for just share a little bit for our group that would be really great mm, that's a great question it's funny when we think of ets we call them aliens i had this beautiful man on the show called 
Adam Apollo, who uh, I did a short about him. He said that the word alien has been demonized within the collective consciousness as to be something different, something other, something not self. Even the word alien means somebody that comes from another place. You know, when you talk about aliens, they come from another country or something other. They're alien to you. It's separate. But everything that you experience in this life happens because of your vibrational resonance and like attracts like. And it's the same when you're contacting consciousnesses from other worlds or other dimensions. So if you have an intention, like I said, many of the wanderers and and difference makers or starseeds came to earth after the war and they were the first wave of volunteers that were the healers and Reiki exploded and and the psychics and the mediums and of course within the collective mind intuitive ability or psychic ability has exploded they've got television shows all over our networks you know talking to the dead or detectives you know talking to the dead to find dead bodies it's like in the collective psychic abilities is is exploding many of them are beings or souls that have incarnated into other worlds and other dimension and other planets that had a different or that have a different um, status quo mode of operating a different frequency to this world. Planet Earth is a third dimensional world and we're shifting to a fourth and fifth dimensional experience, which means we're becoming more psychic and more unified because in the third dimension, separation and fear have been the dominant energies. And so many wanderers or starseeds or light workers or light weavers have spent time in other worlds where it's been more unified and they've operated differently, like with telepathy and their intuitive abilities is just the normal way of operating. They've come to expand those abilities and the consciousness around those abilities here on Earth. So when you are vibrating in a way that is more unified and more loving and peaceful, and then you reach out into the cosmos or into different dimensions to connect with either spirit guides or dead relatives or extraterrestrial consciousness, you attract through your, well, first of all, through your soul agreement, but also through your vibrational resonance. And really planet Earth being a, a new evolutionary world has been protected from other civilizations that would want to dominate because of our consciousness, like we're preschool in our consciousness, if you like, which is interesting because we are preschool in our understanding of what who we are as multidimensional beings or conscious beings. It's actually one of the hardest worlds to incarnate into. So even though the consciousness is preschool, in order to incarnate on earth, you have to be quite an advanced soul because it's a difficult place to come to. And so you have to be quite an evolved soul to come here in the first place, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it's like a dichotomy. So many souls that are here on Earth have, have come from different worlds and different planets, and they bring their knowledge and their remembering and their consciousness with them to help consciousness evolve here on Earth. So I'm connected to a group that I call the mob, very irreverently, I call them the mob my spirit guides, or I gave them a prettier name when I was a bit younger and called them blissful beings. And they are like a social memory complex or a stream of consciousness comprising of spiritual teachers and masters who have been incarnated on earth, 
but also comprising of spiritual teachers and masters who are overseeing this world, who we would see them as ETs or aliens or extraterrestrial life or our star nation brothers and sisters, because this world was created by them and has been fathered and mothered by them uh, since it began. And so there is a, a group of consciousness that live on other worlds or in different existences that are overseeing the evolutionary process of Earth. And they're kind of like our mothers, their father and mother. In ancient times, like in the Hindu scriptures, we called them gods, but they were just highly evolved extraterrestrial life in, in form, in some sort of form, be it human form or humanoid form or um, energy form that were overseeing the humans that were evolving their education, their consciousness, even their body, the DNA has been uh, tweaked since, since we were created. The, when I say we, not we as the consciousness, but since our bodies were created, it has been tweaked through the consciousness of highly evolved civilizations overseeing this world. And so my job here on earth, I've been told by my mob, is that I sit on councils in different dimensions that oversee the the difference makers or the star seeds who come to earth who are very enthusiastic about being here <laughs> and they say sure i'm going to go down there and be a part of the shift of the human consciousness on planet earth because in the cosmos it's like the best tv show in in the cosmos at the moment because we're moving from one yuga or one time in or one dimension into another there are many consciousnesses throughout the cosmos watching what is coming what we are doing and, and, um, and so many people come here um, for, with a very enthusiastic idea that they're going to you know crack planet earth and being human no problems and then they come here and they have to deal with all that it is to be human including our physical structure but mostly our mental and emotional <laughs> And they get to experience negative emotion and depression and they've never experienced this in their worlds. And they're like, what was I thinking? I had one beautiful lady on the show who talked about this. She was abducted quite regularly when she was young by greys and she was terrified. She wrote a book called From Fear to Love because the, her experience was terrifying. And then she realized that they were not there to hurt her, that they were actually very benevolent beings. And then she realized she was one of them. And uh, she said that she had this memory of her um, her planning. Let me see if I can mute. Who can I mute that's got that sound there? Of her planning her life. And she planned her life as a grey, as a, a, not one of the short ones, but one of the taller ones, as one of the volunteers who said that she was going to come here to add to the consciousness of Earth. And she was going through the smorgasbord of what it is to be human. And she was like piling it on her plate, so to speak. You know, death, divorce, disease, all the Ds, you know, drama. <laughs> and her guide, who was also an extraterrestrial, said to her, are you sure you want to put all that on your plate? And she said, yes, for sure. <laughs> It'll be easy, no problem. And, of course, when she came into the body and she went through all these things that she agreed to do, she was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> So, yeah. 
So that's um, quite amazing. So the, the name of the group you, that you were mentioning, the ET group, if you can just tell us that name. They don't really have a name. They're, they comprise of many different, um, the Arcturians, the Andromedans, the Syrians, okay. the Palladians. Okay. It's like a council is about the best word I can find for it. It's really not yes. the same as human councils here on earth because there's no hierarchy. There are just, there is just beings that come together with their expertise in order to do a job. I guess that's like a council. Okay. I used to work yes. in the film industry. It's the same. It's but but in on Earth we kind of we, we you know we put people in hierarchy. Even in Parliament, we do this with our Parliament. You know, we've got the head or you know the kings and the queens and the presidents and the prime ministers and then the cabinets and then the schleppers and but you know in unity consciousness there's no schleppers and there's no kings and queens. It's a hierarchy doesn't exist. So it would be like a council and they come from all over the cosmos and they all bring with them their expertise. And so they said to me that um, I, my part of the council is to oversee the light workers that have come to the volunteers because so many of them come into this earth experience and they don the ego and the forgetfulness and they get lost. They just mm. they forget their uh, soul contract because life on earth is difficult. And I've been told that millions upon millions upon millions have come here that have done that. I've got family members that have done that. I recognize them completely obsessed with uh, sci-fi, like they feel connected to the cosmos, but they just got completely lost in what it is to be human, pay the bills, slave to the mortgage, lost in the negative emotions and anger and upset and resentment and hatred and, and separateness thinking, you know, and you and me and Yes, life on planet Earth is difficult. It takes an evolved soul to be here. Mm. Yes, it certainly does. So I'm really grateful. Do you have questions in a, perhaps a chat? I see there is a chat here. Um, I'm not sure if you, here we go. Yeah, I see um, there, right. Dear Karen, such a privilege to have you around to ask. Do you think that some emotional wounds are intended to be a lifelong disability to live with in the same way that physical disability people have to live with uh, the limitation of their wounds. Can one necessarily overcome all emotional wounds? Yes, we can overcome all emotional wounds, definitely. And it is a choice to hang on to them. Return to love, as I was talking about with Ian, is um, so for me, and most light workers are the same or light weavers or star seeds or difference makers or whatever you want to call yourself. They come to help. Um, it's like I've heard it being called the cleaners, like the cleaners. We're mopping up the density on planet Earth. So we come into families that are holding a lot of um, density, if you like, a lot of resentment and hatred and like they said in the Bible, and the sins of the father are visited on the son. And that was never more present than in my family. My, my grandfather, a beautiful man, had a lot of anger problems and he was quite violent and angry and my father became the same sort of thing and my brother became the same sort of thing it's like the sins of the father it just keeps so where does the chain of pain stop and the light workers come into families that are holding a lot of emotional trauma to stop that chain of pain and when it stops in one generation then it stops in the rest of the generations that come after so when we heal our emotional wounds on ourselves, we do so for all of humanity and more so for the DNA of our family, we do so. 
So emotional wounds can definitely be healed. It does take some work. It does take radical responsibility. It does take an understanding that often the pain and the trauma that you've taken on as a light worker has really nothing to do with you. You're taking on a lot of pain and trauma from the collective or from your family, and you're the one that's going to heal it. It's like in my family where there was a lot of pain and trauma and violence, no one sought healing for their pain or their emotional, but I did because I was the light worker, even though more of them were as well, they got swept up in the trauma of it all. But as a young girl, I'm doing healing, I'm doing personal growth courses, I'm trying to understand why, I'm trying to understand how do I get rid of it. And this is what the light workers do. They're the ones that do the healing, but you don't just do it for yourself, you do it for all of humanity. How do we know who are our spiritual guides and how do we communicate with them? What a great question. Well, all of us have many spiritual guides. And how do you know who are your spiritual guides? You just know. When um, you say, how do you know? There's no how to it. You know, if you think of somebody that you've known in this lifetime that maybe has crossed over and you feel very close to that person, then they're definitely one of your spiritual guides. It could be a friend or a family member. If you're, if you're talking or praying to an archangel, then they are definitely your spiritual guides. It's like whatever you're interested in, whatever turns you on or you're interested in is what your soul is communicating to you about who you are working with. So for me, for instance, I grew up in a very secular family. There was not a lot of religion in my family. And I thought that anyone that wanted to save my soul and tell me Jesus was going to save my soul, I used to call them God botherers. <laughs> I got really angry with them. It's like I really didn't like this whole religious thing, this Jesus thing. And yet I couldn't stop thinking about Jesus. So somebody that didn't want to believe in Jesus was continually thinking about Jesus. And I would think to myself when I would see things that were very distorted about what he supposedly did or said, I would say to myself, if Jesus knew they were saying that about him, he'd roll in his grave as if I knew him. And so we have these thoughts all the times of people in history or people throughout the Bible or archangels or even ETs. If you're interested in something and it lights you up and turns you on, or even if it's just in your consciousness, then this energy is definitely guiding you. If you want to know exactly who that is, the guys are laughing because all of us are guided from what they're saying is all of us are guided from our soul consciousness perspective. So we all belong to a team, uh, a spiritual team as close to us as breathing. This is a quote from the team books that were channel was channeled by a beautiful uh, teacher called Francis Reiki whose mother was a, an Australian who moved to the States during the end of the war. And after she transitioned in 2010, she came through to her daughter, Frances. And when Frances said, where are you now, mummy? Where are you, mother? Was thinking she was speaking to her dead mother. She started channeling these books that are a series of four books called the team books. And it speaks about who we are as a collective rather than a singular soul. We're not one identity. In fact, we're many identities through time and space. We are living all our physical lives, both in the past and in the future, simultaneously. We are living all our spiritual lives as angels or spirit guides 
or our souls or higher selves simultaneously. We're living all our galactic lives simultaneously because it's only in this experience where linear time exists, time exists very differently in different experiences. And so we're connected to a team of consciousness, a stream of consciousness that constantly speaks to us and through us. And it just takes awareness and focus to hear it. A bit of practice meditation is one of the most potent ways of listening to your guides, quietening down the linear, ego-centered, self-centered voice that's constantly trying to um, get something like even if it's like I want to get well or I want to get more money or I want to get a better job or I want to get this or I want to get that that's sort of the ego that's constantly striving but when you connect to the soul or your spiritual team or your spiritual guides the question is not what is in it for me it's what can I give it's like you understand that you're here to be of service because you're part of the collective and um, in the book's conversation with God that you were talking about Ian he says um, oh, I've just unmuted you he says over and over again you think your life is about you but it's not it's about everyone you meet it's about what you can contribute to everyone you meet and he says that in the book over and over and over again the idea that we think our life is about us. You're back on. You're back on. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, we had some technical issues here. The, my, uh, my little laptop is just proving to be just too small to handle all this that's going on. Um, but, yeah, we've got sound, so they're going to sit and they're going to listen to the sound now on that well, side. Well, you're doing yeah. very well. Ian said to me he's not very <laughs> technical, and he um, he's managed to put this together to have this group we're streaming, obviously, on my YouTube and Facebook pages. And uh, and he's also streaming to a group in, here, in the living room and also to a group on Zoom. So we've got it going on. For somebody who's not technical, Ian, you're doing really well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we, every day we're learning. This is the second uh, live YouTube Zoom thing that we're doing at Truth Seekers. And, uh, yeah, we're learning every day. Every time we do it, we're learning something new. Um, do any of your guests on the side have a question for you? Yeah, there, there are questions on the side. So that was from Marietta. Uh, in the light of your explanation, I know now who is my spirit guide. Thank you. However, after she passed, I had a dream being with her and she told me I am resting and in peace now. Oh, beautiful. I don't feel like bothering her. <laughs> peace with my problems. Um, is that justified? Well, you know, Marietta, it's really interesting because we try and understand spirituality from a human linear ego mind perspective. And it's, and it's not the same. We understand that we are we are the body and we are this personality. But when we connect to our soul or our higher self or our divine essence or God essence or whatever you want to call it or spiritual team or stream of consciousness, we understand that we are multifaceted, multidimensional beings. And as I said before, we are living all our lives simultaneously. So the soul is not a singular clump like our physical form is one person, one personality. The soul 
extends aspects of itself through time and space into physical bodies, into different bodies, different personalities, different experiences, all at once. Like we are immense. We are infinite intelligence. We are multidimensional, infinite light source, pure positive energy. We are amazing. And this human experience that we're incarnated into now gives us the opportunity to forget that and feel limited and separate. And that's the beauty of this third dimensional experience, that it gives a soul who feels unified with God and all and everything the experience of separation. But who we are as the extension of the source is enormous and brilliant. And when we reconnect to that remembering or that understanding, we can get just a glimpse of who we are. And so when you're speaking to a dead relative, you can't upset their rest because they now exist as this multifaceted, infinite, intelligent, infinite, omnipresent consciousness that can be in every place all at once. So from our perspective, we think we don't want to bother you because you're resting. But from their perspective, they don't rest because their ultimate, infinite, pure, positive energy their energy they are literally energy energized energy you know we ex we experience that think about when you have a positive thought when you're in love is probably when you're in love with a lover or a child or a puppy or a kitten or an animal but when you are madly in love think about how physically energized you feel that gives you a glimpse of connecting to the truth of who we are as this pure, positive, infinite source energy. We are energized, we are expansive, we're infinite. I can't say the word infinite enough. But um, so you can't bother somebody who says they're at peace and they're resting. They're, when we reemerge out of this third dimensional experience back into the consciousness of who we are as source or soul, we disconnect from what we have understood as the ego which is the part which is the design of the higher self the higher self designs an ego personality construct to go with the physical body to have this earthly experience so the ego is a part of the higher self it's being designed just like a a writer would design a character in a book or write a character for a movie. So the higher self writes the character called us for the movie called our life. And when we re-emerge, like when we leave the play or shut the book or turn off the movie, we leave that character behind. But that character still exists as a living entity that has been created and will always exist as long as it's remembered. And so often when a psychic connects to a dead loved one, they're connecting to the character that is created and not the soul that created it. Am I getting a bit too out there? Is, are you following this? Are people understanding this? Yes, and no, so when, perfect. when you're speaking to the character that was created and the character is still playing the role, saying, oh, I'm upset about this or I'm tired or, you know, it, you're not really speaking to the essence of the person, the real person. You're speaking to that character that they created, that that suit that they put on, like the body suit, they put on a, a personality suit 
in order to live out a physical life and have an experience. We spoke yes. about that actually with Pam on the last show and how when souls reemerge and they become love and light, often present to the person left on earth as the character so that we can recognize them. So if somebody was really angry and, and complaining all the time uh, when they died, if they came to you as a soul and said, I am love and light and, you know, do you want, you wouldn't recognize them. You're like, that's not how I remember you. <laughs> so often we don that character to reconnect to our loved ones still engaged in the play on earth so that we can connect through that memory of who I remember you to be. Yeah. Also, I think the understanding of the soul is important. Uh, in this field, uh, definitions become a bit warped and we need to get definitions right. You know, what exactly does the soul mean? I think one of your last guests spoke about the fact that the soul is not an entity that's, that's trapped in your body. Never. You know, it's not inside the body. The soul is attached to the body, but the soul is far bigger, much wider than, than the physical body. Um, can you well, say something to that? Yeah, the truth is that the soul isn't in the body. We are inside the soul. Like the soul is so enormous that we're actually inside the soul. Like the creation of the body, mind, personality construct is inside the, co the, the construct that is the soul. Yeah, it's a bit hard to also, wrap up uh, physical mind. A lot, of the, a lot of the people in our Truth Seekers group also belong to the Theosophical Society that was started by Madame Blavatsky, I think yes, in the, I just after World War II. Um, the Theosophical Society teaches that there are seven septenaries that go up. So we start with the physical body, and then we go to the ethereal plane, the ethereal body. And then on top of that, I think it's emotions, which is, a, which is an entity by itself in a way. And beyond that, it's the, low, it's the mind, but there's the lower mind and the higher mind. The higher mind has to do much more with abstract thought. And then it even goes higher than that. We go to the, the Atma, the Atma, the Buddhi, and then we go to Nirvana. Um, also, what's interesting about this structure is the 3D plane is actually a very unique plane. It is here where duality, plurality plays itself out. It is the checkerboard that you see on the floor of the Masonic lodges, the black and white. Everything down here is very black and white. It's right or it's wrong. And we're very, we're very into ethics down on this level. Also, we are bound in time. So our understanding of time is also different down here to higher up because of course on the higher dimensions uh, there's no time uh, and the fourth dimension has a lot to do with time and timelessness um, so the higher up you go but also you move away from duality and you get more into oneness the higher up you go everything becomes one so time falls away dimension falls away space falls away even ethics falls away because everything becomes one um, the higher up you go. Um, there's a wonderful movie that I've just recently watched called Arrival. Arrival. Yeah, um, fabulous. I the actor's name. 
Um, but it's the same guy that acts in the Marvel comics, Ian, his name's Ian, one of the actors. And then the, the main protagonist is a lady that was Superman's girlfriend. Yeah. But um, what's wonderful about Arrival Amy. is this Amy understanding Adams. of time. And mm. that time, we see time in a linear as a straight line, yeah, with a beginning, a middle and an end. But that's not really how time is. Time is cyclic. Time is a circle. Um, and so we need to start thinking like that, that time is actually circular in, in formation. The higher up you go, when time falls away, we have this circle, the circle of time. Would you like to say something about that? You know, I would. I love the geese in the background. Have you got geese there or ducks or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say something about the oneness that you were talking about, Ian, because I saw something today actually on Instagram. My daughter sent me an artist, an Australian artist, and he posted on his Instagram page an image of a cell that was a salamander cell splitting from a single cell into a salamander. Do you know what a salamander is? It's like a, a lizard thing, yeah. Yeah. And so it's a time, it's a time-lapse image of this cell, which was one construct, one cell, like a the yolk of an egg, you know, splitting into two and then four and then trillions, and then forming the body of a salamander. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, wow, as above, so below. You know, when we think about these levels and the Atma, how the Atma splits itself into trillions of different parts that turn into cosmoses and universes and planets and solar systems and, and people and trees and rocks and, you know, how it's just infinitely complex, how it can, the one can split itself into this infinite multifaceted uh, variety of experience and this cell was just showing us that how one cell can turn into the like think of all the different cells of the body of anybody whether it's a salamander or a human yeah it's fascinating mm. and then talking about time is not as a linear experience I was listening to years ago, uh, I was listening to, and we've discussed this in my group and on the show too, an Esther Hicks uh, thing where a woman was in a um, um, car rental place and in one of the um, lockers was a bomb, a bomb went off and she had this sort of near-death experience, if you like, where she, she turned around and saw the bomb explode in a locker but everything slowed down and everything was in slow motion. But she understood that in this split second from the bomb exploding and it arriving at her, she knew exactly what to do to get out of the way, but she was experiencing it like it was in slow motion. And then Abraham through Esther said, she said, what was I experiencing? Why did everything slow down? He said, you were experiencing real time as we see it from higher dimensions. like oh, wow. So the third dimension literally is in slow motion. When, like when you speed up the frequency, you, you hire the, you, you raise the frequency, you, you raise your vibe and you become more attached to different dimensions. 
So the third dimension is literally in slow motion. And when you view it from a higher perspective, so this woman, her consciousness in the moment that the bomb exploded was in a higher perspective, viewing that experience in slow motion. I had a client years ago when I was a massage and healer who said the same thing. She was hit on a crossing by a big SUV. And she said as her body was hit, she went up in the air and it all happened in slow motion. And she said that when the car hit her body, it smashed her pelvis. But when she was up in the air, she felt something catch her and then slowly place her down on the side of the road. So she knew there was angelic help, but she said it all happened in slow motion. Yeah. So the, the third dimensional experience is a slow experience. And so we understand time as normal to us, but when we have a thought, it doesn't manifest straight away because there is this buffer of time. There is this slowness between the frequency of the thought and the manifestation of the attraction of that thought manifesting in our lives. It's slower. But when you move through dimensions, like you speak to dead people, their thoughts manifest instantly. Yes. So um, um, I can I can attest to the, um, the, the slowing down because this, the very same experience with the lady you just given happened to me personally. Right. Uh, we were going down to Durban uh, on holiday. The whole family was in the car, big, big uh, four by four thing. And um, the tire, something went wrong with the back tires um, and the car skidded and then it rolled. Um, I went out the window. Most of the people, my daughter's, I think the one daughter was in the car. The other daughter went through the window. Uh, my in-laws were also thrown out of the vehicle. The car rolled about four to six times. I was flying through the air. And as I was in the air, um, everything just stopped. It like froze. And I was floating in the middle of the air. And I was thinking. It's amazing how much thought goes through your mind while you're busy flying out of a car. Um, But what was going through my mind was memories of the past. It's incredible. All the things that have happened to me through my life, highlights in my life were happening to me. I thought this was a death experience. I thought this is, you know, I'm busy, busy dying. That's what, that's what I thought. But time is different in those situations. Maybe it's got something to do with the adrenaline rush through the body, I'm not sure. But late in later years, uh, um, the Theosophical Society's got a wonderful man by the name of Desmond, and he introduced me to a book called um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And I had a, after reading that book, I had a much deeper understanding of time and how important the now is. The ego, the ego uh, doesn't like living in the now. The ego wants to live in the future, uh, thinking of what we can accomplish, or the ego wants to live in the past, dwelling in the past. And Eckhart Tolle teaches you the most important thing in life is living in the now and enjoying the now and being spontaneous in the now 
Because when you think of it really, the only time that really exists is the now. The future has not yet happened. The past, you cannot be caught up in the past. You have to live in the now. And there is such a power that comes from living now in the now. Well, actually, there's no other place to live. You can't live in the past or the future. It doesn't exist. The only thing that exists is in the now. You can dwell on the past or you can imagine the future, but you're doing it now. Yes. Like you're remembering the past, but you're doing it now. Or you can worry about the future, but you're doing it now. Or you can dream yes. about the future, but you're doing it now. So the Seth said in the Seth books, all your power is in the now. So if you're thinking about the past in, I hate the way she spoke to me. I hate what they did to me. Oh, you know, and you're in resentment. You're, you're doing it now. And what you're doing now is you're offering a vibration. So you're offering a frequency depending on what you're thinking about because you're only thinking now. You're not thinking yesterday or tomorrow. You're thinking now. So you can think about the past or the future, but you're doing it now. And depending on what you're thinking about the past or the future, you're offering a vibration now, which is determining or attracting or choosing a timeline or an experience or the next experience or attracting the next experience. Yes, yes. So there's nothing wrong with dwelling in the past or imagining the future. There's nothing wrong with that because you can't be anywhere else but now. But if you dwell on the past, think about, oh, I loved it when I went on a picnic with that person. Oh, wasn't that food delicious? Oh, I loved giving my granddaughter a hug. Oh, wasn't it fun? You know, like if you dwell on the past, think about it in a positive vibe. Or if you think about the future, oh, it's going to be so exciting when I go to South Africa and meet you all in person and hug you all. You know, like think about it in a positive way because what's happening yes. now is the vibration you're offering and that vibration yes. is creating the next moment. Yes. So all our power is in the now. But we can dwell in the past or the future or we can stay in the now. We can be very present in the now and like I can focus on your face and, you know, and only be here now. But, you know, it's Um, all our powers in the now. Eckhart Tolle also says that the things we worry about, most of the things that we worry about are things that, that are futuristic. We worry about things in the future. But 90% of the things we worry about will never happen uh, in reality. It's all happening in your mind. And you're creating these horror stories of what's going to happen in the future. And you're having sleepless nights over over scenarios that will never happen in reality. So that's another reason not to live in the future, but to rather live in the now. Because in the now, at this very this very point in the now, there's nothing much going wrong. In fact, there's nothing going wrong. Everything is blissful in the now. Everything is wonderful in the now. But we create these horror stories uh, and we imagine that it's going to happen. But in reality, it will never, never happen. Well, it will happen if you think about it. <laughs> It'll definitely happen. I love Eckhart Tolle. I don't know if it's his translation from German to English, but there are a few things that I would debate with him about that. And, you know, when you said we worry about the future, actually the only reason we worry about the future is because we drag our past into the future. So, for example, I have a good friend here who puts on Love Fest festivals, events 
called Love Fest to help people feel more loving and to be more unified. And he does a great job. So he has a community here in Sydney. And I asked him if he would like to do a movie night with me because there's a friend of mine that has made this fabulous documentary called The Power of Activism. And it's about six women, Australian women who are activists. So he sent me an email today saying, you know, I've done movie nights before and they haven't really worked for me. I'm better at doing more festival things. So what is he saying? So he's talking about a future event, but he's dragging the past into the future saying, I tried a movie night before and not so many people were interested. So therefore it's not going to work again. Is that the truth? No. no. That's just him dragging the past into the future. And this is what we do as unconscious beings. But when we're in the now, being deliberate and conscious of how we're flowing our energy and what we're thinking and what we're believing to be true, then we don't drag the past into the future. Like I dated men in the past and they were mean to me, therefore I'm never going to date men ever again. You know, we don't do that. We say, this was my experience in the past. I learned from that. I'm better for it. I can do it again and have a different experience because I am deliberate in how I choose to flow my energy or how I think and what I believe. So we all do this. We all drag our past into the future. It didn't work in the past. It's not going to work in the future. Or I went to Paris and I had the best time. It's the best city in the world. I'm going to go back there and have a good time again. You know, because we're dragging the past, be it good or bad, into a future event. Yes. Like last time I went to that restaurant, it was great. Come to this yeah. restaurant with me. It's the best restaurant. Like, because yes. my experience in the past was good. So our expectation determines our experience predominantly. Yeah. Yeah. And so usually we're, we're, we're lining ourselves up with a vibration to have that experience based on what we've experienced in the past, be it good or bad. But we're doing all of it right now in this moment. We're doing it in the now. In so the moment, I'm going to reiterate, it doesn't, it's not, it's not a sin to think about the past or to, to, you know, to dream about the future. When I say sin, Eckhart Tolle would tell you, stay now, stay present. Don't think about the past. Don't think about the <laughs> But be aware of your vibration in the moment that you're doing it. Are you thinking in a positive way? Are you feeling in a way that feels good, that feels expansive, that feels peaceful, that feels joyful? Or are you dragging a bad memory into your future experience? Yes. Be present in the now of how you feel. Be present yes. about how you feel. Remember in the beginning of this conversation, I was talking about how after the Second World War, predominantly women babies were born because we needed to expand the feminine principle here on earth. And that feminine principle is equated with sensitivity or intuition or listening to your emotions. And this is such an important part of being a deliberate creator, being aware of how you feel and then conscious that you can change that. So whether you're dreaming of a future or remembering a past or being, you know, here now in this conversation, how do you feel? Yes. How do you feel? Because your feeling is an indication of the vibration that you're offering and your vibration goes out into the matrix and attracts. It attracts timelines. It attracts people. It attracts event. It attracts spirit guides. It attracts angels. It attracts extraterrestrials. 
all of it attracts. It's all attractive energy. Energy attracts like attracts like. Also, um, a lot of people in the in the world today are not happy. People are not happy. And so they're looking for happiness. And one of the places they look for happiness is in the future. They say, one day when I've got lots of money, I'll be happy. One day when I go on an expensive holiday, I will be happy. If I can buy that house in the future, I'll be happy. So they think that they're going to be happy if something happens in the future. Um, and that's a trap. We need to find happiness in the now, right now. Be happy with where you are right now. Um, and find the, find the good in life. You know, there's always goodness in life. Don't dwell on the, on the bad things and the negative things. I think it's got a lot to do with thought. Thought is important. Sometimes your, your thought life can be like a merry-go-round. And you go around in this merry-go-round. Maybe there's someone that's hurt you at work or a family member that's hurt you. And so there's bitterness and unforgiveness running around in your mind. And you're on this merry-go-round of unforgiveness. So it's very important to take control of your thought life. And I think if, if negative thoughts do come into your mind, to stop them, to say, no, I will not think like that. I will think in a positive way and I will use positive vibrations. Please say something about that. Darling one, you just said it. <laughs> all your power is in the now and how you're thinking in this moment determines the next moment so yeah happy for no reason i mean in this mm. human experience the polarity and separation that we uh, experience says that you are separate to your source and so if we feel separate to love or separate to our source then we're looking for our happiness outside ourselves we're looking at from the experience of this world we're looking at from we're looking for it from you know, the person or the event or the money or the holiday, we're looking for happiness outside ourselves. And so the underpinning stressful thought that governs every other separate, every other stressful thought is that I am separate to love or I am separate to God or I am separate to source. And when we reconnect to the knowing that we are love, that we are an extension of the source, that we are a multidimensional, brilliant, pure, positive energy, then that's, that thought of being separate to that ceases to have such a hold over us and then we can be happy for no reason. We're not looking for a reason to make us happy because we are connected to the source of all happiness, which is God or source or soul or higher self, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's the experience of this world. We're looking remember, for that. Um, I remember uh, Eckhart Tolle, telling us about the testimonies of people in jail, people in prison that read the book, uh, The Power of Now. Oh, um, and even mm. prisoners, they began to realize that your environment is not that important. We think that the environment matters so much and that the environment has a direct uh, bearing on our happiness. But you can be in dire straits. You can be in the middle of a storm. You can be in the middle of a prison and still experience happiness because you're living in the now you're living in the now you are in other words it's also a thing of acceptance accepting the environment that you find yourself in 
uh, accepting where the universe has placed you and, and finding the good and the harmony in that moment and living in the now. I think that's very powerful, yeah. Absolutely. I'm running out of things to say. I don't know if there's any more questions out there. Well, there's a few questions on um, there's a few questions on uh, YouTube. Hi from Israel. Nice to listen to you. Uh, how do you receive information from your guides through sound, images, direct knowledge? I think we discussed that previously. Diane is listening. Diane Weatherall. Hi, Diane. So glad to have happened upon this chat. Diane from Pennsylvania. I know she's up early. Um, she's not asking a question. Grandmother is always with me as great support. Caroline says, ah, uh, moment of your <laughs> presence feeling being, I know there are no questions there. Let's have a look in the chat, Ian. Can you see the chat? Yeah, it's quiet. It's quiet on this side. Nothing much. I'm happening. very much enjoying this meeting and thank you for having me on. Special thanks to the organisers. Yes, thank you, Ian, and to Karen. Unfortunately, she has to go. Many thanks again. Well, there are no questions. Yeah. Do you have any questions, Ian? Uh, uh, me personally, um, I, I think I've asked everything. Uh, I just, I just love this idea that that uh, you know we mustn't only focus on the good things in our lives. A lot of people were saying that you know, listening to the YouTube chats, this uh, this theme came through a lot. Is that um, we are going to go through bad things in this life? Bad things are going to happen to us. And we, the, the problem is we try to avoid them. We avoid the, you see, I, I always say that every day, every single day, you are going to face demons. You're going to face monsters in this life. And there's two things you can do. You can either face the demon, face the monster, like a see yourself as a knight in shining armor with a sword in your hand, a sword of light, and take on that monster. Uh, you can either do that or you can run away. But the problem well, with running away I, I is that you have to come back again and face that same situation again. The universe wants you, wants to teach you a lesson. It's trying to teach, desperately trying to teach you something. And uh, facing this monster and dealing with it is what life is all about. Running away, just come back in a circle back to it. Sorry, yes. Well, rather than um, put the sword in your hand and, and fight the monster, I would dance with the monster. <laughs> I, would feed, I would feed the monster cookies and yes. say, thank, thank you for all that you bring to my life. You are helping me see myself in ways I wouldn't have seen had you not entered my life. You are helping me evolve. You are helping me see my strengths. You know, yes. like dance with the demons. I wouldn't yeah. run or I wouldn't fight them. Fighting <laughs> them says, fighting them is resistance. And there was something when I was young and I was evolving that Deepak Chopra said, which I loved. And he said, resistance is like a wall holding back the flow of love. So whenever you resist anyone or anything or anything that's happening in this world or in your life, you're literally pinching back holding off the love flow that flows through you to you and into the world. So you're literally pinching yourself off from your connection to your source. Yeah. So when you can look at something that would seem unwanted and you can find the love in it, when you can see it through the eyes of your divinity, your very focus on it 
from that perspective transforms it for yourself and for the whole collective. And as light weavers, this is what we're here to do. We're not here to ignore the bad things, but if we can see the bad things through the eyes of source and we can understand that the contrast in this world is happening for our greater good and we can see it from that perspective, then we literally transform this world exponentially. Exponentially, we transform this world rather than resisting it and say, I don't want it and this shouldn't be and this has to change. Ask yourself, what is the gift what am I learning? What is humanity learning? What is the desire birthed from this experience? Because every time we experience something unwanted, we give birth to a desire of something wanted. And this is how we evolve. So when we, when we get sick, we say, I don't want to be sick. I want to feel better. And then many a magnificent healer was born from an illness that they experienced. Like you, Ian, you experienced a car accident and, and being sick. And then that sets you on your spiritual path or maybe something else did. But it is the contrast that accelerates our spiritual growth. I remember as a young naturopathic student, I heard something really profound about nails and hair. When we cut the nail or cut our hair, we traumatize it. And the oh, wow. trauma leads to accelerated growth. So when we cut our nail, it grows faster for a period of time. Or when we cut our hair, it grows faster. And it, it's the same with us on earth. When, we when we're traumatized, we accelerate our spiritual growth and our spiritual evolution. And that's why the book Awakened by Death was coined, because so many people have had a spiritual awakening through the death experience of someone they've loved or through their own death experiences and NDE. And that's the 12 um, stories in the book Awakened by Death is through people that have had a spiritual awakening through experiencing the death experience for me it was the death of my mother and for many others it was their own death or the death of a loved one or a sibling or a daughter or a son or yeah so that's what the book is all about it's about the acceleration of spiritual growth through the contrast and trauma people have experienced in this yes. life well thank you Corin. i think we should start wrapping up here thanks you know so what, much just for before, just, just before you go yes. I'd love you to tell the listeners, my listeners, who you are and what the truth seekers are all about. Because people that are listening to this either now or later, who are the truth seekers and what are they about in South Africa? Yes, well, the truth seekers, uh, we, we started, I would say, well, before we were called the truth seekers, we were called the UFO group. Um, yep. And the UFO group was started by Jenny Boerter. Um, uh, from Greymont here in Johannesburg, as well as Terry. Terry, who also was a very uh, a big part in creating uh, the UFO group. But over time, we decided to ch change the name, and we are now called the Truth Seekers. Um, but we cover a lot of subjects, yeah, and we talk about a lot of things, yeah, at the Truth Seekers. We come together in people's homes, and we just have a wonderful chat with each other, or we watch videos, or we listen to a presentation. Um, and it's all got to do with uh, uh, um, alternative subjects, from UFOs to reincarnation to uh, inspirational talking like yourself, um, conspiracy theories. We also delve heavily into conspiracy theories. And uh, yeah, I think an important thing to 
keep in mind, especially um, in the times we're living in, we're living in very dark times. And the subject matter we deal with can also be very dark. And so I think balance is very important. Um, what you bring across is a tremendous amount of light, positivity into the world. And we need that balance. Instead of delving too much into the darkness, the darkness of this world. Um, yeah, so that's what the Truth Seekers is about. Uh, yeah, look, South Africa, they, I, I think there's something like, I read the statistics the other day, uh, population of white people in South Africa is about four and a half million. I can't believe that we're only four and a half million people. And out of that group, um, I would say about three to four percent are interested in esoteric matters. So there's not a large group, if you think of it, in South Africa that uh, are interested in this, this type of subjects. But yeah, we have a wonderful time. We, we get together, we meet like-minded people, we network with other groups like the Red Pool. We've got the Red Pool group here in South Africa as well. Uh, Something Consciousness is another group. So they're all over the place, you know. And like you said, there's lots of groups that you don't even know exist. Uh, and I think it's important that we find each other. We find yeah. each other and we network. Networking amongst alternative thinkers and people is, is very important. So, no, so that's the truth, because if you're living in South Africa and uh, are in Johannesburg, please get in contact with us. Our website is truthseekers.joburg, and you can get more information about who we are from the website. Yes, Karen. You said that you're you're predominantly white. Do you um, do you have people that are First Nation or Black? I don't know what the do they no, join no, your group then, as no, well. Then we do have other races that come in. We've got some uh, Hindu, Muslim people. We've got some African folk that come. Um, but I, I have noticed that alternative way of life is not really. What I want to say is that my, the the African race don't want to delve too deep into that or maybe they have their own niche i don't know but yeah we should actually reach out more to them we've had a few african folk coming but just once or twice and then we never we never see them again yeah yeah interesting well thank you for having me in your group it was a it was a pleasure to meet you all on zoom and the people that are also in the in your living room or somebody's living room <laughs> <laughs> and thanks and thanks for a couple of people from my group who joined on zoom and thanks for everyone that's been watching the live stream i'll go off the live stream now thanks ian okay corin thanks so much bye-bye we'll definitely see you again bye-bye and thank you bye.